What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Welcome to the debut episode of Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbad Asnashari from Sports Illustrated, and we're so happy to have you on this debut episode. This podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. In this debut episode of Clip and Roll, we're going to discuss the Clippers' recent week where they went 3-0 with wins against the Philadelphia 76ers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and Houston Rockets. It was a big week for the Clippers, Farbad. I don't think people expect them to actually go 3-0, especially with two road games. What was your big takeaway from this week for the Los Angeles Clippers? I mean, this was the week they needed to have to kind of shut a lot of people up. Unfortunately, it didn't didn't really shut up guys like Nick Wright, but everybody else kind of understood this is the week that made the Clippers a lot more fearsome and that them fully healthy is something you need to be scared about. Yeah, they uh they they came out like they meant business, especially against Oklahoma City and Houston. The Philly game was a little wonky for a while because of Shake Milton, which we'll get into. You mean Michael Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Steph Curry was here apparently <laughs> in that game. Uh, I don't. It's weird because this entire stretch run, even if you want to go back the week prior, was built up as like this is the stretch and the week that the Clippers need to show what they can be when they're healthy, and then they showed it. They were impressive in basically every game. And my biggest takeaway from it was, if you have Kawhi Leonard, turns out you're a very good basketball team. Having Kawhi Leonard solves a lot of problems. In a nutshell, both ends of the floor, it just solves everything you you can ask for. And even in the same vein as like having a closer, solves that too. And so, I mean, for me, the best game of the week... Uh, was had to be the Houston Rockets game. What about you? Okay, I went a different route. I went for actual like drama in terms of like how good the game was both ways, and I went for the Philadelphia game. Why? Why? Why do you say Philly? Just because that game actually felt like I know Philly was down Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. That game felt special though. Like like Shake Milton's going nuts. And uh, Alec Burks is hitting shots and Tobias Harris started off really well. And it's like, that game just felt great. It was an ABC Sunday game. Like the Clippers got off to a slightly slow start in that game and they had to claw their way back. But like Philly felt like they wanted that game, didn't they? Like even with their injuries and and such, uh, Josh Richardson uh, got a concussion during the game. Al Horford had a really good game, even though he didn't really score all that much for them. But Philly wanted that game so much, and Shake Milton's going off. Finished with 39 points. I think he had like 26 or 29 in the first half. He couldn't miss. The Clippers tried to contain him in pick and rolls, and they couldn't. He was walking into open threes. 
But the Clippers overcame that, and that game was just fun to me. I think emotionally, when you when you talk about a game that that might have been the best one, especially because there were so many games this season where you'd watch the Clippers play an injured team or an inferior team, and somebody would go off, and then you see Shake Milton, and you're like, here it goes again. They're gonna lose a game that they should have won. And it's funny because literally the the first minute of the game, I I remember telling Joe Morgan and I told somebody else, I was like, watch. And I tweeted it and I was like, there's going to be a guy in the 76ers who averages five points a game or seven points a game. And he's going to have like 40 tonight and have a career high. And Shake Milton went past his uh, season average in the first quarter of the game. And then it just kept happening and happening. And everybody started DMing me being like, look what you did. You, you, you made him do it. But I mean, for me, it's, it's Houston because every time the Clippers have played Houston this year, the three games before it, it was very, very, very close. Every game was dramatic. Every game was close. And it kind of felt like, man, like you don't want to see these guys in the playoffs. The Clippers would rather face Denver than Houston in the playoffs. And then that game, you know, that they just had was kind of like, no, no, we don't care. Like we'll face Houston and we can expose them and expose their inability, you know, to cover our big guys or do anything about our big men. I mean, Zubats didn't miss a shot. And I think just for standing, of course, it's important for standing sake, but man, that was a real put up or shut up game. It really was. Uh, to recap, they went into Houston and they throttled, the only lead the Rockets had was 4-2, I believe, early in the game. The Clippers throttled them to the point where it was a 30-point lead with about six minutes to go. Zubats, as you mentioned, 17 points, which was a season high, I believe, 12 rebounds, had a block, did that all in 20 minutes. But the real main takeaway from this game was A, the team's defense on Kawhi Leonard, and B, just how terrified the Rockets were of Kawhi Leonard on James Harden defensively. Because anytime James Harden had the ball and Kawhi was the main defender, they tried to switch him off on a screen to get someone else, namely Marcus Morris Sr. on him. And they didn't want Kawhi anywhere near James Harden, which I understand Kawhi is an elite of the elite of the elite defender. So you'd rather limit those Leonard on Harden minutes to where you don't have to, James Harden just doesn't have to deal with them as much. But it was very telling that Kawhi Leonard basically controlled the entire week of games. You look through his stats for the week, 26.7 points per game, 6.7 uh, rebounds per game, three assists, almost two steals a night. Shot 49% from the field, 44% from the three. Slightly low at the free throw line, 75%. But that's mainly because I believe he went, what, like five of nine from the line against Houston? So the main takeaway for me this week is that Kawhi Leonard was the player of the week. I think you're in agreement, correct? Yep. Perfect, perfect segue. I mean, for me, the player of the week is undoubtedly Kawhi Leonard. And it's really hard to bet against Kawhi. But then you see so many games where offensively and defensively he's shutting people down and then he's posterizing people what seems to be at least once or twice a game and it's just anything you could ask for in a basketball player he's getting it done and like you said 26.7 points a game and he shut down James Harden and he's taking good shots and he's making everything look easy for the Clippers there really wasn't a matchup for him in that Philly game outside of maybe Tobias Harris defensively. And in OKC, he got some of the Gallinari stuff, but that was mostly Marcus Morris. 
what they ended up doing in the OKC game is they had him actually on Chris Paul a little bit, which I found really nice because the one thing that Chris Paul has struggled with at times in his career are bigger defenders. Usually he just tries to just pull up in the mid range, which, Hey, I watched Chris Paul. You and I watched Chris Paul for many years, especially with the Clippers. If that guy's taking a mid range shot at the elbow, odds are that's money. And Kawhi did a good job of, of snuffing some of that out. The Clippers contained the OKC pick and roll pretty well, even though they went to drop coverage, which Chris Paul usually exploits, but the Clippers also swarmed him and made other guys try to beat them and they couldn't. And then in the Philly game, what I like that Kawhi did defensively, even though the Clippers gave up 130 points, that's an awful lot of points to give up. The one thing I like that Kawhi did is he's so much more engaged defensively now because he looks healthier than he has been in recent months that he was blowing things up off the ball repeatedly. And that's what I see from him defensively. So let me, let me ask you one thing. Do you have a, do you have a favorite play of the game that we could call like the Russo's play of the game or the fly by night play of the game? Which, which game would you want? Cause there's, cause probably one play from every game, but which game would you want? Give me, give me the Houston one because it's the most recent. All right. So this wasn't a Kawhi Leonard play, but there was a play where Avisa Zubats was running the floor. The Clippers had the ball in secondary transition. Zubats did a very smart thing. A lot of bigs don't do this a lot. They kind of just hover at the top of the arc to wait for the ball to swing it around. But what he did is he face cut Austin Rivers to the left elbow, which made Austin Rivers have to defend him. Now, as we all know, the Houston Rockets are not a big team, so they're not going to really have a true center out there at any time. So Zubats face cuts Austin Rivers and he gets into the post. He signals with his hand that he's ready for the ball to be uh, inserted into the post and entered in. Paul George gets the ball swung to him and then swings it right to Zubats in the post. Off the catch, Zubats turns to his left towards the baseline, which draws Austin Rivers that way, then spins back the other way with a right-handed hook shot, and he made it. And in that one play, it made me realize something. When he has the confidence and the freedom to expand his role in the offense, Avita Zubats is a very good player. And the Houston Rockets have no one that can match up with him physically. He was too big. He was too strong. Uh, they would jump into his body and he'd, you know, he'd stay straight up and vertical. There was nothing Houston could do to him. And I just want to thank the Houston Rockets for trading away Clint Capella for that very reason. You know, you're pretty much giving the people that Patreon content for free right now. And I just want everybody to know that because that was some uh, that was some people deserve to pay for. Yeah, I uh, I have a video coming out about Zubats pretty soon, but you know, I just I just wanted to say like Zubats was really good in that Houston game. I feel like more people should talk about that Houston game for him specifically than anyone else on the team. Like I thought, Marcus Morris Senior did a really good job defensively against James Harden for the most part. He did get burned on the perimeter a little bit. But, you know, everyone played well. I, you know, not everyone shot well. I think one of the things that's been not talked about enough from that game is everyone made a big deal. Oh, the Rockets shot 7 of 42 from 3, which is, you know, sub 20%. And they had a string where they missed 20 straight attempts. But no one brought up the Clippers were only 13 of 40, which is 32%. And some of those came in garbage time. Paul George had 13 points and they were up 30. If Paul George has 13 points and you're up 30 and he's shooting 38% from the field, like there's no excuse. You, you, you got beat. 
that's been a theme, I think, for the Clippers recently, even in the blowouts that they've had, like the Oklahoma City game, the Houston game, even that Denver game from last week. You know, and I think even Philadelphia. Yeah, the Philadelphia game, too. Several guys didn't shoot well, and they still won. And in a lot of those games, they won going away. And that's a scary thing. Like, they're winning games in blowout, in blowout fashion, I should say, without everyone actually shooting well. So if there's games where everyone's shooting well, that's going to be scary. Is there a is there an unsung hero you have for this week? I mean, obviously we can we can give it to Kawhi almost every single week. You know, granted there might be once in a blue moon we don't, but is there an unsung hero you have? I have Paul George. Now I know that's kind of weird because you wouldn't really classify him as like the unsung hero type. He's the second best player on the team. And this week, he only averaged 17.7 points in the three games he played. Only had six rebounds, only 3.7 assists. But he shot 50% from the field. He shot 39% from the three. He got to the line five times a game. He played incredible defense. His passing, even if you just look beyond these assists, his passing was really good. His defense navigating over screens was great. I don't think people have given Paul George enough credit for actually how good he's been this year. You know, I, I might be one of those guys that doesn't give him enough credit, but he's he's been he's been stepping up more and more recently, especially against the Denver Nuggets too. Uh, my my unsung hero is going to have to be Reggie Jackson, and when you look at the surface for this week, eight point seven points, two rebounds, two assists. It's nothing, you know, that seems that crazy off the charts, but just his presence in the bench seems to make a whole world of difference for the Clippers because every time the bench has come in, they've been continuing that same level of pounding that the starting lineup's done. And you have to believe, you know, adding Reggie Jackson is a catalyst to that. And it just seems like every decision he makes is a smart one. He hasn't made that many bad decisions. He hasn't taken that many bad shots unless it's an expiring shot clock. But at the same time, he did tell me he really likes to show Cobra Kai and that he likes wrestling. So that might have skewed my results in this question. And that leaves us, you know, with the next segment we want to talk about, which is going to be the highly, highly anticipated Laker game that's coming up on Sunday. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get on the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE, for your 50% sign up bonus. Remember, the promo code is BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, what we got coming up is the highly, highly anticipated. Battle for LA, Clippers, Lakers, both teams are playing great basketball and it's going to be one of those moments where the immovable object meets the irresistible force 
What are your thoughts about that game, Justin? My biggest thought is I'm not going to take too much away from it. I know that sounds weird, but I started looking at it. It's a 12.30 p.m. Sunday tip-off. And, and, and it's the day daylight saving starts, so it's really 11.30. I didn't even think about that. I think both teams are going to be sluggish. I think both teams are going to shoot like, you know, I don't know, sub 40% probably. Does this does this mean I have to sleep earlier then too? For, yes. For that game? <laughs> go, to, go to sleep earlier, please. We need your coverage. Okay, cool. But uh, I, I don't, it's weird, right? Like, I get why it's a Sunday afternoon game because everyone's going to tune in on ABC to watch it. But I just, I don't expect much. I don't expect much to take away from it just because of that. If there is one thing you could expect from it, I would assume it would have to be that Kawhi Leonard's going to go off. Just because when you look at his averages against the Lakers, specifically this season in two games, 32.5 points per game, five assists per game, 50% from three and 55% from the field. He's pretty much been unstoppable against them. I mean, I I think you can guarantee that might happen again. Yeah. uh, The other thing you might be able to guarantee is Montrezl Harrell's looked really good in the two games as well. And Lou Williams has also looked good. And that's part of a byproduct of how good Montrez has looked is because as much as the Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams pick and roll hasn't been great this season overall in the Laker games, it's actually been pretty good. And they've feasted a little bit on how Dwight Howard plays drop coverage against pick and rolls, which kind of plays into what the Clippers want to do with Lou and Trez uh, in that pick and roll game. The further back you play, there's more room for them to be able to make that pass and get the finish as you're backing up to the rim yourself. So the Clippers have had guys who've played well in the series. You know, I mean, Patrick Patterson defended Anthony Davis well. Patrick Beverly's had his moments. He rebounds like a madman. He actually leads the Clippers in rebounding in those two Laker games. But but as uh, everyone on TV likes to say and everyone on Twitter, who's going to guard AD though? Well, Patrick Patterson's the AD stopper, but you know, uh, however, I, I mean, I would be shocked if Patrick Patterson got minutes on this game, unless it was a blowout. <laughs> if if he did, I would, I would be like, he's officially the AD stopper if they gave him minutes. Right. He'd have to go into the hall of fame, like the actual NBA hall of fame. I, I think the interesting thing to watch mostly is kind of how the Clippers guard AD. I know that sounds weird because we kind of just joked about it, but they got Marcus Morris now. The prevailing thought is he's physical enough to give Anthony Davis problems, much like Patrick Patterson did, much like Jermichael Green can. However, I think Marcus Morris is also going to take some time to guard LeBron James, unless the Clippers just decide, well, we have Patrick Beverly, we have Paul George, and we have Kawhi Leonard. They can guard LeBron. Marcus, you have AD. That's your primary assignment. Because for the first two games, the Clippers have made it a point to use like a a by committee kind of way to guard LeBron and AD, which is, Hey, you two are going to play 36 minutes a night against us. That's fine. We're going to rotate guys in and out for six minute spurts. And they're just going to be physical with you. And that's going to wear you down. And we saw that in the two games in the fourth quarters of both of them, the Lakers wore down, especially those two. I mean, there's, there's so many different factors, you know, going into this game where it's like, Okay, both teams are playing well, which is always great when that happens. But then also, 
the Clippers are playing really well where they just look unstoppable and they've kind of demolished every top team that they've needed to in this past week. But at the same time, I'm always that firm believer in like the Lakers have lost to them twice now. Both games that they probably could have or should have won, they're not going to lose three times in a row. You know, that's what you have to think. Like they got to have that much more fight in them that they're, they're going to they're gonna refuse to lose three times in a row. And then it just becomes a matter of, does their level of willingness to fight overcome how good the Clippers have been playing? And that's always the most interesting thing for me to watch. Also, it's probably going to be the most annoying day on Twitter since Christmas. So that should be a thing because I'm sure we'll see some Patrick Beverly slander. I'm sure we'll see some load management slander. Everything you can think of will probably be on Twitter on Sunday. Can't wait. Actually, I can. Oh, God, these games drive me insane. But uh, <laughs> you're right about something, though. I do think the Lakers need this game more than the Clippers. 200%. I mean, especially because the Lakers, you know, they're five games ahead at this point, And they're playing Milwaukee on Friday, which is a high chance of who knows what's going to happen there. But if they lose to the Clippers, that puts them that much closer. Whereas if they win, it's kind of just... They're six games ahead. They're a lock at this point for the one seed. And it's just a pride thing. But at the same time, you can't put that much stock into the regular season just because I'll never forget when Brooklyn swept the Miami Heat in the regular season and then lost them in five games in the playoffs. Everyone made such a big (laughs) deal about it. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, the better team is going to win in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I just think for the Lakers more than anything, they should have won that second game. The first game, the Clippers pretty much like controlled for like ever, like the late. If you remember the opening night, the Lakers went on that run to start the game, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And then the Clippers basically came back, took control in the second half, and that was basically it. But the Chris, the Christmas Day game, the second one, the Lakers effectively controlled that that contest basically the whole time, and then Kawhi Leonard just willed them to the end. And if you're the Lakers. And I look at this more from like a mental aspect than an actual like uh, physical or basketball aspect. I think the Lakers need to win this game from a mental standpoint of like, hey, we can actually beat them. Like it's such a it's such a mental hurdle for them to get over that if they lose this game against the Clippers. So I'm going to have to interrupt you because we've got a Woj bomb in the oh. middle of us recording this podcast. Oh. <laughs> I guess we get, I'm, I guess the Clippers are reportedly signing Joakim Noah and he's going to join the team next week, according to Woj, which just happened in the middle of us recording this podcast. Makes a lot of sense because they needed a third big man, especially you could see it in that Philly game the first time they played where Ivica Zubak, kind of fouled out and it was like so what are we we're just gonna play trez on joel and bead this whole time and you could see that they needed a third string big man yeah the interesting thing with him is a how healthy is he because he did have the achilles tear in the offseason b i think from more than anything else he's a toughness guy he understands how to defend lebron james teams if you have to get to them in the postseason, and in case there are any injuries to frontline guys, he could play a couple minutes. I do not expect Joe Kim Noah to be a 10 minute per game guy. 
I don't. No, absolutely not. I don't think they're going to play him 10 minutes per game, but it is a very nice backup to have in case something goes wrong. And it's funny, I actually, you know, the last time we played the in the arena, I actually overheard Lawrence Frank tell one of the players, like, hey, we're probably going to sign Joakim Noah, just giving you a heads up. Uh, and he kind of gave a little heads up, and I was like, did I just hear that right? And I just kind of went along my day and didn't really bring it up to anybody just because I was like, that was a random little statement. And I guess that is exactly what happened one week later. Do you want an interesting Chris, Her- uh, Chris Herring of ESPN and 538? He writes for them. Do you want an interesting stat that he just tweeted out? Sure. He said, one of my favorite random stats that only I would care about, 14% of Joe Kim Noah's career technical fouls have come against LeBron James and LeBron James teams. <laughs> I just, I honestly, the thing I'm most excited about with Noah, other than having him on the team or anything like that, is I just want somebody on this team who's willing to talk trash in the pro- post-game pressers because everybody's such a good, like they keep to themselves or they're very working man-esque and they won't talk trash on the other team. Sometimes Patrick Beverly will. You know, and when he does, it's great. But if I if I can hear Joakim Noah give me a, you know, who likes Cleveland type comment, I never heard anybody say they want to go to Cleveland. If I can if I can record one of those, I'll be so happy. I think his signing, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, isn't anything noteworthy from like an on court thing. But in the locker room, for a guy who's been to conference finals who same thing as Paul George has been that far. Kawhi Leonard's obviously two-time finals MVP and and champion. It's just another guy who's been there and understands what it takes. And is another voice to help everyone stay even with the flow and never get too high, never get too low. He's just, he's just a calming guy. And yes, he's crazy, but at the same time, maybe crazy is what you need. If you get enough crazy people, everyone's sane. As long as he doesn't, you know, take jabs at LeBron James and makes LeBron more motivated, I'm all for it. Because I could totally see that backfiring. The moment you say something about LeBron, even when nobody said anything about LeBron, it was hashtag revenge season and he started going off. So as long as he doesn't say anything to LeBron, I think I'm all for it. So real quick, going back to the Lakers thing, uh... What's your prediction for that game? Who do you think wins? Honestly, take take the Clippers fandom out of it. Who do you think wins? You know, I want to say the Clippers are playing better basketball than the Lakers right now. But the Lakers, like, really need to win that game. Like, they really, just to shut people up. And it's like, I, I still remember when they, when they lost on Christmas, Snoop Dogg was going off on them on, like, Instagram. And like Dwight Dwight Howard commented the Instagram post like telling him to chill, and it's like so they see it when everybody's talking all this trash on them, and their fans are talking trash on them. Especially the modern era of basketball players, they're all looking at it. So I want to say the Lakers really need to win, but I'm still going to put the Clippers just because the basketball they're playing is way too good right now. It's just going to be such an interesting matchup because the teams have changed so much from that Christmas meeting. No more Mo Harkless for the Clippers. Rodney Magruder doesn't play big minutes anymore. Neither does Jerome Robinson or uh, Derek Walton Jr. Those guys have been swapped out, and now it's Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson who are 
I call Marcus Morris Sr. a high-level guy in terms of what he can do. I like to say Reggie Jackson is a steady hand off the bench. For the Lakers, they got Markeith Morris, which that's a fun thing is the Morris brothers get to play against each other on Sunday. Then, uh, you know, they also just recently added Dion Waiters, who I don't know what Dion Waiters can bring. The first game that Dion Waiters had for the season was like the 45th game of the year for Miami. And that was the game that they played the Clippers. And remember, he came he off the bench. Off. Yeah, he went off. Yeah, I mean, if there was, I don't know. The one thing I'm always curious about is for every fan base. It seems like for the Clippers specifically, you can always expect a guy who hasn't played in forever to go off against them, whether it's, you know, Dion Waiter, Shake Milton, whoever. I was, I was always very curious if that's how it is for every other fan base where they think their team is also that team where the random guy goes off. Yeah, because every you're right. Every fan base is like, we're the team that all the scrubs go off against, right? And then you realize, no. That's every team. Every team has that happen. The Clippers had Jay Crowder literally have one of the best games in the NBA this season. And Marcus Morris. And Marcus <laughs> Morris. Like it had in, in back-to-back games, mind you. But uh look, every team deals with, you know, guys going off against them and they just gotta rise above it. And right now the Clippers have risen above it for the most part. They're 43 and 19. You know, you look at the standings, they're in second place. They're a full game ahead of the Denver Nuggets. They're six back in the lost column of the Los Angeles Lakers. By the end of play Sunday, they could, if you want to believe in such things, they could be just four games back in the lost column of the Lakers for the first seed. I'm not saying they're going to get the first seed, but you got to get your foot in the door to have a chance to get there. So final thoughts. I answered it. Clippers or Lakers Sunday, who you got to wrap this up? <sighs> I'm going to go Lakers. You get a lot of angry DMs. I know. You know what it is. You know what it, I think the need for them to win that game is going to will them, and I think that's what the, gets it done for them. But we'll see. That's why it's basketball. You never know what you're going to get on a 48 minute night. Thank you so much for joining us on the very, very first episode of Clip and Roll. I am your host Farbad Esnashari. I am Justin Russo. Thank you all for joining, and especially if you made it this far. We'll see you all next week, and uh, I guess shout-out to Jovan Buha. I still hate you, but I love you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.